I'm John Lewis, and you're listening to 360 Degree City, a podcast where we talk to people who are working to make cities better. Our hope is that after each episode, you'll start to see your own city from a slightly different angle. Welcome to What's Next, our latest season of 360 Degree City. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought a devastating toll on our world, with over 5 million people dead from the virus at the time of this recording. That would be the equivalent of the entire population of the city of St. Petersburg, Russia, or the Canadian province of British Columbia being wiped out. As a result of this virus, since early 2020, the way we socialize, work, and move around our communities has drastically changed. As the COVID-19 virus spread throughout our towns and cities, those of us who were fortunate enough to have roofs over our heads stayed home to protect ourselves and our neighbors. Offices and businesses shut, changing many commutes from a long drive to a 30-second walk from the bedroom to the home office. Local parks transformed into more vibrant living rooms where families and friends sat in socially distant circles to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, and graduations. Local governments became more nimble, allowing patios to pop up on the streets to help restaurants stay afloat during trying times. The buzz of international tourism quieted, allowing locals to reclaim their streets in busy tourist cities. Some have traded their small inner-city apartment for larger suburban homes. COVID-19 has also revealed inequities and the deep cracks in our systems. The health and economic effects of COVID-19 have disproportionately impacted poor communities, communities of color, and developing countries. And this only begins the list of changes that have occurred. Now, as vaccination rates slowly increase and we navigate the reopening of businesses and borders, we're curious what's next for our cities. What will the post-pandemic city look like? How will COVID's impact take shape in the long term for our mobility, public spaces, private spaces, supply chains, economies, and society? So in this series, we're going to sit down with a number of folks to talk about what's next for our cities. On today's episode, we're asking, what's next for public space? I sat down with Heli Sohot, founding partner and CEO of Gale. My name is Heli Sohot, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Gale. Gill is an urban design uh, practice. We span from uh, urban strategies to design, and we have a special focus on life conditions, you could say, for people uh, and public spaces, and we work globally with urban transformations. Great. Um, okay, so as we're talking about COVID life, post-COVID, all those, all those good things. Um, what are some of the fundamentals of good public space that were really proven out during the pandemic? You know, that 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 designers have have talked about for decades and centuries. Um, what what really was was proven to be essential in a time of a global pandemic? Yeah, I think every every person, every individual, but also every politician and decision maker, I think we've all felt on our own body what it means to, uh, how important it is for us to have access to urban landscape, to public spaces, to places where you can come out of your living cubicle and, mm -hmm. and, and sort of private uh, living conditions where we have all been trapped. And, and have access to free space, places where we can breathe fresh air, uh, be physically active, be mentally connected with the community that we live in and meet our friends and family at a safe distance. Um, I, I cannot remember 
at any point in time over the last two decades where I've been working as a professional in this field, where we've had this, this unique deep down understanding of the importance of this collective resource of ours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that's one of the really interesting things of, of how, how, it seems like two ends of a spectrum. Some people really wanted to, uh, you know, for very good reasons to go into their, their unit, whether that's the individual, the couple, the family. Um, but at the other end of the spectrum, you needed this way to connect with broader humanity, um, to feel whole, uh, you know, in, in many ways. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's really been an interesting and fascinating sort of seeing how people navigate those poles, <laughs> if you will. Um, so, so one of the things that I was intrigued about was your, uh, you know, Gail's work, you know, proactive work on, on what's, what's happening, what's happened during COVID with your public space and public life during COVID-19 work. Um, what were some of the key findings that, that you, you discovered in that work? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, we, we do a lot of surveying of, uh, of public life in cities. And uh, obviously, it, it is already of our sort of interest to follow uh, what is the public life patterns, how are the culture of cities developing. And we are using that in those insights to, uh, to produce our, our strategies and our design. Uh, so it was very natural for us when everything sort of broke us, uh, broke out last uh, spring, to immediately think, you know, how can we map those changes that are happening right now? Uh, so we got some funding from various cities and um, and also a, a foundation in Denmark called Reldenia. And already less than you know three weeks after the the closing uh, and and the lockdown. We were out surveying what was happening mm -hmm. uh, in in different cities in in Denmark and and globally actually at the same time. Some of the things we saw at that point was uh, dramatic changes, of course, to the urban centres. A uh, lot of the activity uh, that we usually see in terms of pedestrian numbers and 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 various uh, sort of cultural activities and staying activities and play activities were completely gone. You know, a lot of the urban centers went from um, very, very active to less than 80%, um, uh, you know, an 80% drop in, in activity levels, mm. Uh, mm. which is devastating for businesses, of course, and for cultural institutions and for restaurants and bars and, and, and those types of segments. Um, on the other hand, though, we saw a rise in in life outdoors, uh, closer mm. to where people live, uh, locally where people live, we saw an increase in, in life in those areas of about 30%, 35% even. And, uh, and, and the types of activities we saw were more pedestrian activity, more, more people cycling, uh, more people, families and kids outdoors playing. Mm. Um, we also, to our surprise, saw more elderly people out um, 
which we which was a surprise to us because I think uh, we all have talked about the elderly part of the population as being more vulnerable and we were expecting them to sort of stay inside and, and stay away from others. Mm-hmm. But we saw more uh, elderly people out uh, meeting up in small groups, particularly women meeting up in, in, in smaller groups, but they would they would meet in public space at a safe difference a distance of, of uh, one and a half to two meters between each of them, but circling up to mm. to, to still have these uh, sort of um, uh, um, uh, discussions and 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 so forth. Uh, men were typically more alone, uh, which is a pattern that we 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 have to d- dive deeper into in, in in terms of understanding why that that is. Um, um, and I, and I noticed, uh, sorry, I, I noticed that the, 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 it was more alone or in groups of four plus. I noticed in that, yeah, really interesting of why the heck that was going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so that could be, it could be super intriguing to sort of understand more in terms of social, social relationships and networks and, 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 and how that relates to gender and age and so forth. Mm. But uh, unfortunately, we haven't necessarily dived deeper into that part of the mm-hmm. research. Um, and then we've seen in the research different sort of um, movements throughout the the year where there has been initiatives by government to to open up. And we've seen some of the life flock back into the public spaces and the urban centers again. However, we are not yet near anything that is sort of back to normal, so to speak. Um, uh, not, not even now uh, without mm. the restrictions. Um, uh, we've lost a bit of our behavior, uh, forgotten uh, maybe certain aspects of our previous behavior. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to further investigate, you know, what are the new normals uh, that, that we will see moving forward. Mm. I, I don't think we can quite uh, know that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned the the change in people's behaviors, and they you know forget to you know whether it's habit of going to a place or how to behave differently in a place, those kinds of things, um, and just how quick or long humans' memories are, um, you know, because even you know the adjustment to whatever normal is in your part of the world right now, um, just looking through the photographs that you have on there to, to compare Nyhaven in 2010 and 2015 and during COVID it's, it's jarring to show the, the before and after, because in your brain, you, you've just modified your reality to, to today. Right. It's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there are a lot of, lot of sort of um, things that we've uh, always been very interested in sort of understanding the social bubble that we have around us as human beings and how close we are to other people. And, and I think some of those have been adjusted uh, quite a bit uh, the, this past one and, a year, one and a half year. I think we have now gotten used to having a more a bigger bubble around us and, and don't let other people come as close to us as, as before. Um, but, but we'll, we'll have to see how things are bouncing mm. back in terms of use on public transportation, um, people coming back into nightclubs at, at some point, um, uh, people sitting close to one another on benches or, 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 or using public spaces and parks again. So, um, 
So we'll, it, it's interesting to see how things are actually going to develop. Mm-hmm. So, so knowing uh, that, that um, this is all to be determined, but based on your observations and, and everything, one of the, one of the things that I really uh, liked in, in your, in your work on COVID was this quote of for better or worse design decisions made in the days and months after crises often continue to impact our lives in the decades that follow. Um, so what, what are your thoughts about, you know, if you sort of put your anticipatory hat on um where do you where, what, are, what are some of the shifts that you think will happen either in the uh behavior in public space or investment in public space design and decisions on public space mm. well i i think that that quote sort of uh relates to you know a lot of the um safety and security elements in design that that came into public spaces after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we are still living with those consequences today. And uh, for the better and, and, and worse, uh, some of that is not very, neither aesthetically pleasing to look at, nor very sort of uh, uh, supportive in terms of, of, of public life in spaces. So uh, we just you know, made that sort of comparison and saying, you know, it's it's actually incredibly important that the, mm-hmm. the, the design elements that we put out now to streamline people movements and and um, and, and behave, regulate behaviors, we need to think about it with that perspective that we can actually we can live with the with with the consequences of those design decisions in the next decade. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's very likely that it's going to be uh, impacting uh, our our city life and our design of public spaces for that long uh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of um, I must say, though, with a more positive hat on, that the responsiveness that we've seen in cities has been so amazing. You know, uh, what 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 was so difficult to uh, do before, like parklets or um, opening up streets for pedestrians, closing them for cars, uh, having more outdoor seating, uh, having uh, closing complete streets to allow for uh, bicycling in particular routes. All of that, all of a sudden, there were less barriers uh, to implement uh, a lot of these uh, uh, mm-hmm. these these uh, this design uh, these designs, and we've seen from Bogota to Milan to Paris to New York, we've seen uh, a, a generosity now of public space, but temporary bicycle lanes come in, uh, parklets. Uh, outdoor seating, restaurants being uh, being able to to uh, offer um, things outdoors, uh, and, and other initiatives to to support small businesses. So uh, uh, we can hope that some of that innovation power can mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. stay within public government, uh, mm-hmm. because I think it's it it has been uh, quite inc- incredible. And um, and if we can then make sure that the designs are not staying as as very sort of grim uh, COVID type designs that will remain with us for the next 10 years, but we can actually quickly accommodate for um, a a, a nice design that supports that new way of of living, that new everyday life, that new everyday mobility. Um, Then I think we could turn it around to be 
uh, quite uh, an opportunity mm-hmm. to um, to both redesign and rethink our public spaces, uh, but also try out new behaviors on an everyday basis. I love that idea of innovation power um, within municipal governments because that's um, you know the, the the concept of risk is is pretty pervasive for lots of good reasons for for local government, but to, that these experiments were allowed to happen quickly and the sky didn't fall. And so maybe, may, you know, so those can become more permanent and then maybe that, you know, instills a bit of that, of that culture uh, in there. I, I had a good conversation last year with, with Mike Lydon about the, the cities that were able to move the, in many ways, the, the, the quickest were the ones that had something on the shelf ready to go. That, that idea of uh, being planfully opportunistic. So it's, it, it also speaks to the immediate action, but to be ready to, you know, the value of the planning process and to have something ready to go so that when opportunity arises, you can capitalize on that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea. And, and in fact, I think that speaks to the need for a new approach to leadership uh, within planning, uh, because I think these hazards that 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 the, these events that we've experienced now, it does it's not only COVID related and health related, but now we've seen flooding situations, we've seen fires, we've seen uh, storms and and so forth. So we we are in a in a very disruptive period of time right now, where 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 our urban areas and societies in general are exposed to these these various hazards and we need to basically be able to be resilient and adaptive to that extreme change and one of the ways that we can be that is to both have sort of a a strong very forward-looking focus on on the issues that we need to solve the wicked problems that we need to solve Mm. very long term but then having this whole you could say backpack of tools and <laughs> and then sort of uh, uh, things that we need to test much more rapidly, much more much more quickly, um, and we need to have that have those tools ready so that we can just go and use them uh, whenever we need to. And and we've really had a need to. Uh, it, it hasn't been just something that we could play around with for fun. No, we needed the last one and a half year to quickly come up with new solutions. And we took from that backpack from whatever we knew in terms of, uh, oh, this bicycle solution works in Copenhagen, let's try it out. Or, or this parklet uh, idea works in San Francisco, we'll do that too. And, 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 and we've quickly learned uh, and, and recycled a lot of urban ideas. Um, and, and I think that combination of that long-term vision and, and persistent focus on solving uh, larger issues and then combining that with much more here and now rapid interventions um, is, is actually a new leadership mechanism, a new leadership approach that is, is needed at the time now and, and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Fan, uh, yeah, the backpack. I love it because <laughs> I, I, I think if yeah, if that if that backpack is about animating and invigorating places, as you say in the in the here and now, but the the 
strategic moves have an eye on resilience and the impacts of climate, then that walks the balance of, of making positive impact on people's lives today, but also planning for that future. Cause your, your point about nine 11 is so interesting. And I mean, timely, obviously with the 20th anniversary and all those things, but you know, if you think about the, the time horizon it takes to um, actually create physical interventions in cities just to, to start. And then once you've done that, how long they last. So nine 11 happened 20 years ago, there were immediate clumsy interventions, but sort of fortress mindset, permeated and that's shows shows itself we're all adjusted to it but that that'll last for another decade or two or three anyways because of the investment that goes into that so to make sure that there's this invigorating ethic or ethos in in the cities to 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 kind of complement that's really important yeah and then in addition to that, um, I think uh, both we need the foresight and we need the, the the backpack with all the solutions that we can quickly test. Then I think we what we need to 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 guide us uh, in the right direction is is sort of a some 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 new approaches to to processes and also to monitoring. Uh, we mm. need to have mechanisms that allows us to to not have so such fixed plans. We need to constantly strategize rather than having one strategy. And we need to constantly plan instead of having one plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires something different in terms of listening to people, engaging people more continuously, uh, not just because you have finalized a plan and that the plan goes into hearing. But no, you actually have to have mechanisms where you are constantly learning from those um, sort of solutions from the backpack and mm-hmm. and, and uh, bringing things forward. You need to constantly monitor and measure in a way. You know what's the impact of those local uh, local interventions? Are we improving climate action and and mitigating CO two levels? Are we making more people healthier? Uh, are we solving um, uh, equity issues uh, on the way? Y- you know, uh, monitoring those as we go so that we can constantly, in those rapid uh, interventions, um, deal with some of those issues and know that we are actually moving in the right direction towards the long-term goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idea of nimble and adaptive is is so counter to larger institutions, but particularly for local government as the, the 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 order of government that has the most profound impact on people's day-to-day lives to try and you know, keep that permeating idea throughout for sure yeah um so wondering if if uh, the the consideration of of public health um has, has your team um found any insights in terms of how people other than sort of observations of people keeping their distance and those kinds of things of how people um are perceiving um that that idea of public health in in public space and as they move through cities in in any any different ways um i think people are both on an individual level more aware of uh, how important again uh, access to public spaces and, and and having opportunities to move physically in public space um and having access to that as a resource i think that general awareness has definitely uh, increased both at an individual level but but also with local governments and community organizations We've seen 
an increase in um, in mental health issues mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, it, uh, during the COVID pandemic. We've seen increase in loneliness. Uh, we've seen uh, depression rise also uh, amongst very young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would almost say that we need uh, public spaces and public life uh, as part of the, the the general sort of health recipe. Uh, yeah. Because we... we uh, people people do feel better when they have been able to uh, connect with others and be physically active outdoors and get get sunlight and get get fresh air. Um, so so it's the, the the cities like Copenhagen uh, that already have uh, uh, you know this 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 fabric of of. of a huge variety of public spaces, mm-hmm. they have done better than some of the cities like Madrid or or, mm. or or New York, for that matter, where where people have had a little less access uh, to, to 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 those types of places. So um, so so that again, I think, could hopefully get us to a point where where more and more cities are seeing the necessity, mm-hmm. uh, not just a, a nice to have. But the actual necessity of delivering uh, at very high quality public realm, uh, diverse enough to address all of those needs. Mm-hmm. And that diversity, I, I imagine, is is really essential because oftentimes when people think of, um, you know, you, you put urban public space and people will think of cafes and plazas and, and, and really busy places. Um, but the need to have reflective spaces and um, Jenny Rowe at the University of Virginia has talked about the, the restorative spaces, which I think is a really helpful frame to instead of, um, you know, there's the local business advocacy and, and vibrancy, but there's also kind of the, those other elements um, that are really, really important. The, the previous season on the podcast, we, we actually talked about, um, reading in the city and how, how, how that interacts. And that was kind of an interesting exploration because we hadn't talked about that explicitly ever <laughs> in, in, in our practice, but how do you make those kinds of quiet reflective spaces while still being engaged or around your community members? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need all of those range of activities uh, because that attracts different kinds of people. Uh, we need both the active places and the quiet places, the the, the natural places and the more hardscaped uh, spaces and, and so forth. Um, and, and I don't think we, I don't think cities are really yet in a point where they have uh, public space plans uh, mm-hmm. that allows them to to really um, plan for that diversity of, mm-hmm. of, of meeting places and restorative places as, as you are uh, alluding to mm-hmm. do you do you find that uh, in, in your in your practice across the globe that um, a particular city will have a particular inclination towards a particular type of, of public space. So one city might really be focused on sort of the the green, the soft, the natural, whereas others might focus on the hardscape and the, the urban vibrancy kind of side of things. Um, I, I think it, it, 
every city comes with its unique um, typology of spaces and, and, mm -hmm. and, and built environment, if, if you can say so. Uh, I, I do think there is a there is a, a trend where obviously working with public space, we think much more about uh, climate adaptation. We think much more about greening uh, of, of cities. Um, we think more about how that, how, you know, biodiversity. Um, so, so those types of topics are of course, universal or global, I would say across mm -hmm. the cities where, where we are working. Um, I, I think over and above, uh, or maybe in the center of all of this, is the health and well-being of people, yeah. and, uh, and and that has always been an important focus of ours in in, in our work. Um, and uh, I, I think it's super interesting to see how people in the health industry is now also talking about a fifth wave within uh, health where. It's not just about whether we are sick or well, um, mm. and it's not just about you know preventive um, uh, preventive care or or even uh, whether we can get the the right vaccines or not and so forth. But it's actually now about how the built environment and our environment and as such it is supporting a culture of health. Right. And, and, and well-being. And, uh, and, and I think the way that we have been mapping uh, human activity or people activity in relation to most of our projects, we try to map this in a very sort of both quantitative way where we sort of map what are people doing, how many uh, are they here, uh, what is happening, what are the maybe even casualties or other things, mm. you know, and then on the more qualitative side, do people feel safe? What are people's perception of, of, of welcoming or a sense of belonging to a place? Or, um, and, and I think we, we need to be better at working with both of those uh, sets of data hmm. to really make sure that we are both tackling um, Climate change and disruption and COVID and all of those hazards that are that are meeting our cities, um, and uh, we are ad addressing it with with new types of tools and 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 testing all the things that we have in the backpack and have, have learned from other cities that that might work, but but all of it sort of pointing to ultimately sort of the health and well-being of people. Right. Um, right. And, uh, and, and, and it's interesting to see how both local governments and, and, and others uh, are starting to, uh, to, to, I think, move towards that, that, that point of understanding that health and well-being is, is truly essential. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I think we've sort of We've revisited that or re-understood that uh, this past one and a half year. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. And, and I think the idea of understanding the well-being of the whole person. So it, as you said, it's not just your your you have COVID or you're coughing and you're sick or what have you. It's your your whole mental, your spiritual well-being and, and how a city can play a supportive role in that um, instead of just being 
uh, a lot of times just this, uh, you're, you're, you're only an economic being <laughs> and that's all people focus on, right? There's a lot more to, to each one of us than that. Yeah. And we are basically, we are lacking uh, methods and processes and tools to allow for that holistic view because we know how to map economy and economic growth uh, or, or downturns. We know how to map the number of cars and, uh, and, and uh, maybe, you know, to some extent, even environmental impact, of course. But, but some of those other human uh, human relationships and flourishing is, um, is, is still, I would say, uh, difficult and, and, and to, to really get into the process. And, and we, that's our focus and that's our attempt to, to, to do that in every project and to make sure that, that those uh, human elements of the process is, is actually uh, visible to mm -hmm. our decision makers, to our uh, to our designers and, and planners and community members and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much uh, so much complexity there that there's never a shortage of work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so just a last question that we ask uh, everybody we talk to. Um, I'll be interested to hear your response. Uh, can you share a city that you love and why you love it? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm often being asked this question and it is so difficult because we, we work in so many different places. Um, I, I, I have to say my hometown, Copenhagen, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. but uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that, I, that's a good thing. <laughs> But um, having, but but this is this is where I live. This is where I have a sense of belonging and and and, and a notion of home. Uh, but it's also where I've been able to impact the development and the policy making over a long period of time. And 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 I think we can. Um, I think we've come a long way. Uh, I would say, in terms of having having been on the forefront of of urban development and thinking about uh, healthy urban places and uh, have developed public spaces and and um, uh, cleaning up the harbor so that we can now go swimming mm -hmm. in it and we have a huge number of people bicycling and so forth. Um, so so I think. I think there is many things that that Copenhagen has done right over the years. I don't think, though, that we can rest on our laurels, so to speak. Uh, Copenhagen has a very ambitious goal now to not just be to see to be CO two neutral, but actually to be CO two positive. Um, so, so I think we have a long ways to go in understanding even more how we can support the change of behavior mm -hmm. uh, so that we are not only uh, thinking about public space and the way that we interact with one another and use and, and shift modes of transportation, but we go further than that. We go into, you know, how do we really support um, behavioral change in terms of uh, waste, in terms of circularity, in terms of, of, of 
reducing uh, our CO2 emissions on the food we eat mm. and, the, and the things we buy. And, and, and that's really what we are looking into right now as a, as a team. Uh, also at Gales, we are looking into food systems, we are looking into uh, air quality um, and, uh, uh, you know, how we need to further densify the cities uh, and, and in, in order to support a healthy, sustainable way of living. Uh, so mm -hmm. much to be learned mm -hmm. still, uh, but Copenhagen is both my home and my laboratorium. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of this season to continue exploring what's next for our cities. 360 Degree City is created by our team at Intelligent Futures. To learn more about the work we do, go to intelligentfutures.ca. I'm John Lewis. Thanks for stopping by.